three out of four Americans are in debt. School loans, credit cards, ridiculous payments. This is the episode we are going to dig in and we're gonna give you the seven step bulletproof path to get out of debt. Welcome to Success Convo. Ryan Engel here. And I'm Kate Carlisle. Kate Carlisle. We're going to jump in here. We're going to go through the key steps to get out of debt. And this is steps in order. Kate and I are both very good at this. Kate, I don't think you've ever been in debt. Is that accurate? Uh, Apart from law school debt. Nobody goes to law school and really is debt free at the end of it. But other than that. I spent a few years in debt due to school loans. Um, That's what most of us have probably gotten ripped off by. And we're going to do a full episode on school loans and the deceit of college. We'll get into that in a different episode. Right now, we are going to help you clear your debt no matter where you're coming from because this is bulletproof. Financial gurus all have different opinions. I've helped a lot of my friends actually get out of debt in the past couple years using this system, which I'm going to drop to you right here. Kate, you've ever had any experience with friends in debt? Oh, absolutely. I actually grew up on the East Coast in the Boston area. And that's, you know, Boston, New York are some very high cost of living areas. And I have a lot of friends on the West Coast as well. And um, very easy for folks to get into credit card debt, especially when they're living in those places where it's very high cost of living. For sure. And you know, it's just the high cost of living will creep up on you because like you said, restaurants, so much debt goes into eating out, things like that. Let me go ahead and throw the number one thing that you need to do. If you're listening to this and you're in any type of debt, and you know, even if you're not in debt, you need to adhere to these principles and adhere to these rules. First thing you need to do is get a crisis fund. You need to build up a crisis fund before you start paying off any of your debts and any of your bills. You need a lump sum. Would you agree with that? I think that's absolutely right. And it doesn't have to be a whole lot of money. It varies for everybody. If you're somebody who's sort of low maintenance, it could be $500, $1,000. If you're somebody who, again, is living in one of those high cost areas, it may need to be a couple thousand dollars. But definitely having that stash that you know is there in worst case scenario, if you need it, is super important. Yeah, it's hard to give a number because you have to be, it depends from person to person. I would think a very baseline crisis account minimum would be two to $5,000. If you have a higher price point of living or higher expectations for your life, then I would say ten to $20,000. One key about the crisis account, never tell anyone about your crisis account. Do not tell your significant other. Ooh, Do that's not a risky tell one, your really? Business part- Absolutely, 100%. Even in a married relationship, I would say you need a crisis account. But don't you think a crisis account can be established with the knowledge of the other party and you just each have your own accounts, you know about it, but they don't have access to it? I mean, that's what my parents did. They both had their own accounts, but... I think you should have a joint crisis account and then I think you should have your own crisis account. For these steps, and anyone listening to this, if you want my total advice here, I'm telling you to keep your crisis account completely sacred to, to no one else but you. That means you'll never see my crisis account. <laughs> Wasn't expecting I would. <laughs> Do you have a crisis account I don't know about? Uh, maybe. I already have all your email passwords. So. <laughs> all right. So once you've got your crisis account built up, once you have your money set aside, even if you're in debt, you still want to get that crisis account. Step two is aim for the lowest payment. Think about your credit cards. You do not want to be missing 
payments. The lowest possible payment is your target zone to where you don't want to get additional interest tacked on. It's absolutely true. I know so many people who are in debt and they're not they're not making those payments and so they end up paying interest on interest and it just accumulates and it's it's absolutely ridiculous because you're going to end up paying far more in the long run. Now if you can pay more, certainly pay more. It's good to pay it off sooner rather than later, but certainly at at minimum make sure that you're paying those base payments. Exactly. And one of the things that I see here is a horror story. Big red flag, big financial red flag is if you're paying a credit card off with another credit card. Oof, that's a A lot of my old friends, you know, we talked about audit your circle, right? A lot of my old friends actually had that going on where they were doing that. They had a credit card to pay off another credit card. That's scary. Very scary. Picking up bar tabs on a credit card's credit card. There's something going on with your basic principles and your vision at that point that you need cleared up. And this is probably a good place to stop and say, we've said it before in podcasts, but it's it's worth, it's it bears saying again, we aren't taught as children, our parents don't teach us, we're certainly not taught in school about finance, how to manage our money. We don't grow up having those innate skills. There's something that you actually have to go out and you have to watch a YouTube video. You have to read about it online. You have to seek people who are in the financial services industry Type and can give you that knowledge. Type that subscribe right here Success <laughs> Convo. We're not going to bullshit you. But you would agree with me. I 100%. mean, that's, that's part of the problem. It's not always our fault. We're just not given those skills. We have to affirmatively go out and seek them. Um, and and it's, it's never too late. It's never too late. Some people feel like, oh, I've spent my whole life just badly managing my money. Like there's no point now. There's always a point. There's, it's mm-hmm. never too late to turn it around mm-hmm. and to start getting yourself in the green and actually putting yourself in a very sound financial position. You're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars per year. If you've got five more years to work, hundreds of thousands of dollars that you're going to let slip if you don't understand where your investments are going and these key principles of debt. And believe me, the system would rather have, they'd rather have them hold on to your money than to have you be a little bit more financially intelligent and do the right thing with it. So absolutely couldn't agree more, Kate. Very good point. I'm glad you brought that back up. Number three, this is where you're going to learn the debt snowball. This is big. Any financial advisor or guru is going to hit you with some version of what their debt snowball is. Debt snowball is taking your lowest payment. If you have one credit card, it has 3000 And then the next thing up the chain is your car loan that has 7000 You want to look at that 3000 as your next target and you want to start paying that down as fast as possible. So you're going to hit the minimum required payment on the car loan, but then you're going to zoom all of your money, all of your income coming in on that focus loan. You have to focus fire on the $3,000 loan. I really like this one. It's easy to get lost in the sauce for people to focus on. I've made my minimum payments and I'm done. I'm going to use my money on my rent and my food and all this other stuff and not go back to the beginning of the chain and really focus on knocking out completely that lowest bill that they've got, that lowest payment that they've got. But if you can do that, the number of outstanding payments you're going to have is going to be reduced over time and it's going to make your life so much simpler. You bring up a really good point that um, we hadn't introduced yet in this podcast episode and that's you have got to switch the I want to get out of debt button on. You have to because you understand this is like anything else that you're trying to achieve. You got to be focused on I'm getting out of debt. So that means the extra money that you have has got to be pushed into those bill payments. I mean, what's more fun? What is more fun? Going out to eat and spending your money and doing what you want to do with your hard earned money or throwing it to a payment, throwing it to that simplest payment, that lowest payment. 
You don't want to throw the money away to the payment. There's so much things you would rather be doing with your money. So much more you'd rather be doing with your time. You're just going to have to bite that bullet because you got the debt switch on. And believe me, like Kate said, your life's going to get simpler and it's going to get easier down the road because once you got the debt switch on and you get this cleared up, you follow these seven steps and you get your debt clear, then you can start buying a lot more of those dinners and having a lot more fun with your money, your hard-earned money. Or you can start getting into good debt, which is where we're going in a little bit. Which is where we're going. Kate's going to try to reveal my secrets. Do I have to hide my notepad? <laughs> I'm going to hide my notes here. <laughs> Number four, this is big. This is big whether or not you are in debt. And no matter what phase of your life is, create additional income streams. If there's one thing you take away from this podcast, remember three. That's my magic number. You need three income streams. Bottom line, because you never know what's going to happen. You never know what kind of financial earthquake or life crisis you're going to get hit by. So I think it's three. What do you think? I think it's right. I think at least two. Um, three might be a little bit for people who are just getting into the entrepreneur business, for people who are working you know, 60, 70 hours a week, which I certainly know people who are and doing that. you don't that. need it's to have to be an entrepreneur, by the way. No, but it's tough to have three streams of income if you're a doctor, for example, and you're working 70 hours a week. Like that's that's crazy to think that you'd have three streams. However, there's passive streams, which I'm sure we'll talk about in another podcast, which can we'll count into, as one of your streams. We will dive into multiple podcasts about residual streams, passive streams, and different income for sure. So absolutely. Like said, so we're gonna stick subscribe. to subscribe. <laughs> we're gonna stick to for now. We'll call them the active streams where you're actually you have to physically do something for you to for you to get money and this can be anything i mean this can be if you knit this could be making sweaters and throwing them up on etsy there's a site called odesk which is really a central clearinghouse for for writers for authors for bloggers people who are you know looking odesk is a big one Oh, that's a huge a one. one. And I don't hear a lot of gurus say Odesk. I'll throw out another one. This is probably not, this is like more to get pocket money than anything else. I don't know that it's necessarily sustainable as a full revenue stream, but something called Fiverr, which is people will go on and they'll give, nobody really charges five bucks for anything. The thought was that Fiverr would be a place where you can go and get a logo for five bucks or you can get a an intro video for five bucks. Um, it's not really that way anymore. Usually you're going to end up like leaving 15 with bucks. 15 to 20. They it, should call it like, 15 or. <laughs> it's like the dollar um, store where everything's actually 10 bucks. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, it, but it's good. And it, it, it's broader than just writing. So if you're a graphic designer, if you know, you have a number of different skills that you can sort of pitch on Fiverr, that's always an option too. 100%. I mean, I do a lot of video editing and I, I was making two to $300 a day on Fiverr way back in the day. Okay. So this is, it's a very good place to look. And these are also places to hone your skills. So Odesk, Fiverr, eBay, flipping things, yard sale flippings, second job. Second job is definitely one that you can pick up. And that could mean bartending shifts that could mean waiter waitressing things that have a low barrier to entry that you can definitely score you know a couple hundred bucks a week to throw on that debt snowball number five you're gonna glare at me in a second here take your crisis account up to a four-month reserve oh i like that one why would i glare at you because I was saying about, you know, crisis account, hidden money, hiding <laughs> well, things you know, from your business partners. You know, the more you have <laughs> aggregated and you can, you know, have there for a rainy day or when you need it, it, the better. And it could be four months, five months. Everybody has their, you know, their specific comfort level and their specific pain point that they feel they need to have that there to be confident, reasonably confident if they lost their job or if something happened, they would be safe. Um, and it, it again, it's different from, from person to person. But four months is, is generally a good... Mm-hmm 
a good barometer, a good starting Four to six point. months for sure. And, and honestly, I want you to know something right now. The first four steps, now you're out of the debt monster zone. You're not doing so bad. And then when you're not doing so bad, number five, this one that I'm talking about right now, taking your crisis account up to a you know four to six month reserve. The reason you're doing that now is so that you are being proactive about your life and about your strategy. So at this point, you've already cleared most of, if not all of your bad debt and you're holding on to a lot of cash in that four to five month reserve. I like yeah. that. Part of the part of the point too of the four to six month reserve, particularly for people who are, you know, frustrated with their current career and wanting to get into a new line of work but are worried that, well, if I don't have my current position, like I won't have a steady stream of income. What am I gonna do? That's really the one of the primary purposes. Not everybody's gonna go that route, but if that's you one of your primary purposes of having the four to six month reserve is to give you that breathing space to be able to say, you know what, I can quit my job and it's going to take me three months to get this new business up and running, but that's okay because I've set aside the specific reserve. I know I'm going to be able to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. I, and I just want to throw this out here, a little bit of a jab at a lot of the gurus and a lot of the, like kind of like the make money people. Okay. And I never want to fall into this category. I know that Kate has a very stern policy about never falling in this category. You hear the word hustle a lot. You hear the word, go do a lot, go do this and that. And I'm very glad that you just talked about that cash pocket and that cash reserve being a time for you to build up skills. There, <laughs> there is some very competitive markets emerging. Any place that someone's making money, believe me, there's a lot of people got that have fire to make money in those markets, and that's everything. There's a plethora of opportunities right now, but you have to have skills. What do skills take to acquire? Time. Skill building sessions, yes, time. You can't replace the time it's gonna take you to build skills. So all this hustle talk, Where's your skill building? You need to have some downtime where you're not hustling to make money, make money, make money. Because I promise you, if you run into a business with that make money mentality, with that, oh, I've got to hustle and I'm gonna out hustle everybody mentality. You didn't build your skills, but you have an out hustle. And believe me, you know, some of the gurus, I'm not bashing everybody. I'm not really gonna, I'm never gonna throw in any names. It's not how I roll. And you could say that hustling is your skills building. Okay, great. Hustling's your skill building. That makes a lot of sense. But I promise you, if you go into a market without any skills, you just straight up walked into a fight, put your arms behind your back and told the other people to go ahead and swing a haymaker right at your teeth. Okay, You're going to get your teeth knocked out. You're going to lose your shirt. You're going to lose that crisis fund. You're going to lose your money and you're going to be back to square one with no skills. Trust me, you got to skills build. Don't try to skills build on the job. Learn a little bit first and then get in there. You agree with that? Absolutely. Number six. This one is the guru split question. Half the guru split one way, half split the other way. Do you cut the credit cards? Yes or no? My answer is no. You do not cut the credit cards. Reason being, debt, nutrition, life goals, building finances, they all take one common denominator, and that's discipline. I don't think cutting that credit card, if you need to cut the credit card to give yourself discipline, there's a problem there. And I think you have to develop discipline before you develop anything else. And that's exactly why I'm on the side of the fence that you should have your credit cards for emergencies. 
to use other people's money, financial institutions, if you really need it. What happens if something comes along, wipes your entire crisis account out, even if it's a four to six month reserve? I think it's still good to have some credit built up and to have that credit card. I love this one. This is actually one that we talk about our parents not teaching us financial skills and financial intelligence, but this is one that my mom drilled into me very early on. Have one credit card. You don't need to have five or 10 or, I mean, some people have rewards cards and loyalty cards and, and all these different cards. They're proud of it. They're proud of it. They're like, so open up their wallet, look at my Express and Abercrombie and Target and like all their cards. I'm like, that's way too much. You're like, dating you don't yourself. need that. Abercrombie? Well, not Abercrombie. <laughs> <laughs> I never had an Abercrombie. I worked there I for you. one day, but well, that, that's another story. But so they have all these cards and you really only need one. And the purpose of that one credit card is to build your credit. Because if you have a credit card, use it to pay your Netflix account. I mean, that's what I do. I have, mm -hmm. I have one credit card. I have my Netflix account and I have my electricity bill. And that's it. And I pay those things off. Chief advice. I pay my that's credit card off. Chief advice, guys. I'm building credit and I'm not getting into debt. Mm -hmm. It's a win-win. It's a and that's, that's and the best And you can pull the scenario. trigger. You can pull the trigger on the credit card if you need to make a big purchase or get yourself out of trouble or something like that. You can pull the trigger because you have built up credit just based off of that. Yes, although I think if you need to worry about putting something on a credit card, you probably shouldn't be buying it. Like That's I said, it's philosophy. a super crisis. It's a super yeah, crisis. If you That's get into a jam and you need it, yes. But mm -hmm. you shouldn't say, you know what, I really want that new pair of shoes and I don't have the money, so I'm going to put it on my Never credit card. That. that is the worst way to think Never about your finances. Never do something like that. I mean, I have a lot of cards in my wallet, but that's because I'm part of five different banks. These are debit cards that I have. I always ask you that. Why do you have so many banks? Don't trust the banks. I do not trust So big put it banks. on your mattress. No, I don't trust my mattress either. My mattress, because if the money tanks in one bank, I need to make sure I have it in other banks. Okay. Okay. You ready to move on to number seven? This is the good debt key. Basics are over. We just talked about four main steps to get you out of debt. And then we just covered two more big steps. Once you're out of debt, once you're getting out of debt, which is, you know, build up that crisis account and then hold on to your credit cards. Now you're feeling good. You're out of debt. Number seven is going to be the major key to your life right here. This is it. Do you know what I'm about to say? I think so, but hit me with it. Good debt. It's time to now build good debt. If you wait to attack a business venture when you have the money, if you wait to make those investments when you're totally financially sound, it's never going to happen. So now it's time to get some good debt. What are we talking about with good debt? We're talking about real estate buys. We're talking about stock investments, bonds, things that are going to get you passive income, whether that's dividends, medium-term income, long-term income, things that are going to have you, underline this one, build wealth. This is super key. And I know a lot of people out there are probably completely feeling overwhelmed because they're thinking, I don't have money to go buy a building. I don't have money to go buy a whole bunch of stock in Apple or Facebook. And, and that's fine. It can be something very small. And really where the rubber, rubber meets the road here is seeing the opportunity. Is that you can make a small investment, just so I'm clear on that, right? Mm -hmm. Like $1,000 or less. Something very simple, like a loan with a 2% interest that you can control and do. Exactly one of our secrets, and stay well read. That way you can be watching for stocks. Here's a little statistic that I read the other day. If you would have bought $5,000 in Amazon stock in 1997, guess how much you'd have today? One million. Wow. You would have $1 million, $5,000 of Amazon <laughs> stock 1997. That's crazy. Be watching for these things. How do you watch for these things? You stay well read. Keep yourself watching and waiting for those good investments to come up. Boom. So you can grab some good debt. 
and then somehow, trust me, it's going to steamroll into one of your income streams. You agree? Mm -hmm. For my big takeaway, I'm going to hail back to one of our favorite authors and a, a quote that I think sums up pretty nicely the philosophy that you should have with respect to getting out of debt. And let, let me read the quote and see if you can guess who said it. The most life-destroying word of all is the word tomorrow. Kiyosaki said that. Am Absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. Good call. And the key here is really not putting off what the work that needs to be done and the mental shift that needs to occur. If you're $10,000, $15,000, in debt, you can't be looking at it as though, well, you know, I know I've got this hanging over my head, but next week I'll deal with it. I'll come up with a plan next week. You may have the best of intentions. And for some people, they may have the self-discipline to be able to sit down next week and write out that financial plan and figure out how they're going to get their ducks in a row. Most people do not. And so thinking to yourself, I'm going to wait till next week means it likely will not happen. It Absolutely. needs to be now. It can't be tomorrow. It needs That's to be now. That's a fresh ass quote. I love that. <laughs> you like it's it? solid. Yeah, it's very solid. Um, I've read it before, but I like the way you said it better. And I think it's perfect to kind of top it off on this debt podcast. So I love that. So many people have the philosophy of, well, I have time on my side. None of us have time on our side. Because mm -hmm. debt is pulling you down into a deeper hole too. Exactly. And that's why I think this is so relatable. Excellent. I love it. You want to hear mine? I do. <laughs> You're going to love mine. Here's what we got going on, guys. And I'll tell you what, I was one of them for a lot of years. There's a ton of millionaires walking around. You know what nil means? Nothing. They think they have a lot, but they got nothing. No means nothing. And, and let me explain here. I'm not taking a crack at people for not having money, but they're acting like they're ballers. They're acting like they've got everything together and they're super successful because they want to put this front on. Most of the debts that you have, if you go ahead and you know open up Mint or whatever finance app you use, or just if you use your bank like me, you're old school, you look at all your statements. If you go and look at that, what are the statements telling you? You find out where someone's spending their money, you find out a lot about them. And we're going to find in our society, we talked about it, three out of four Americans are in debt. We're, we're talking about the millionaires, people that the bulk of their money, the bulk of their paycheck is not going towards debt. It's going towards consumer items that they do not need. Absolutely. They're and most of the time, like, do not want. They're buying them. Again, want. this gets back to our podcast mm -hmm. on how not to care what other people think. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, they're doing it to impress somebody else who they actually really don't care about anyways. So it's just crazy. A good friend of mine, years ago, we went to Foot Locker. He bought a pair of Air Jordans for $250. He bought a pair of shoes that were two sizes too big for him. They were two sizes too big, and he specifically bought the shoes for the colorway, the pattern. He wanted them so bad. And I said, dude, they're not in your size, man. And he said, nah, man, look, I got to get these, though. I got to get them. I've been waiting for this colorway. And I said, so wait, you're going to buy a pair of shoes, two sizes. They didn't have a size. He's walking around in these shoes like a clown, and they were two <laughs> sizes too big. I saw him wearing those to the gym a year later. You know, he's wearing those shoes to the gym. And I'm like, dude, all the precious shoes that you are walking around like a clown again, being uncomfortable. And I think that epitomizes what we're talking about here. We're talking about people buying things that they don't want or care about just for the sake of what other people think. That is a millionaire. And that is the first step, the first mentality that you need to break. 
Couldn't agree more. I love that millionaire. I mean, I don't love what it stands for, but it's an appropriate it's, term. It's a good term. And I'm not trying to use it in a derogatory manner because I think if someone hears that and, you know, you say that to them as a friend or you say it like we're saying on the podcast, I think it could be a wake up call for you. Really could be. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Seven steps to debt on success convo. If you have feedback, want to discuss further, have some questions, comments. We like questions, comments. It's a group camaraderie. Join us on Facebook, Sleepless for Success group. It's a closed group. Only people that listen to the podcast and that are success driven will be granted access. Kate, any last words for the listeners? Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope these concepts are helpful for you. Thank you guys for being here, Kate. Thank you for being on the show with me. We'll see you on the next episode of Success Combo.